0: we Welcome to another episode of Celebrity Spotlight Radio, and this is your host, Antonio Sayat. I did an um, in depth interview with filmmaker Matthew Warren Ramirez and Joe Batan, conducted by me, of course, um, a while ago on March 8th, 2016. At that time, um, I didn't have a podcast. Um, and now I do, so it would be Spotlight Radio. So I want to play it because it, it's such an interesting film. The film um, is called We Like It Like That, and it's, it was very successful. And um, I'm going to leave all the description below. Obviously, you can't uh, – they're not playing in the theaters anymore, but you go to the website and all the information, Twitter, and you could get a, your hands on the film still. Um, I recommend the film to everyone. It's great historical um, film about uh, Latin music, a particular style, and we'll get into it uh, in this interview. And um, here we go. Okay? So ready, set, go.
1: Gentlemen, I saw your film. On, on the third awesome. and I loved it and I could tell you that I remember I was a kid I grew up in New Jersey but my grandmother grew up in Washington Heights okay and I used to go as young you know around the neighborhood with Dominicans
2: right Audubon
1: right and <laughs> I, but here's the thing I remember I didn't know what you called it hmm. the whole the music because it was a you know merengue and, right Sasa, but I remember the Latin boogaloo. I remember the sound of it, loving it. It was quite different. Uh, it intrigued me. And then it disappeared. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, uh, but I used to go and try to get into the Copacabana when it was on Fifth Avenue. I was young still, but I knew the bouncer. i just get in.
2: You mean he, the old one, the one the old
1: one on Fifth Avenue around Avon was Patrol. Right, right, okay. right. Back yeah, like then. They used to play it. Really? And then yeah. they used to play something. Right. They played the music. And uh uh but then it like you said, it, it kinda like disappeared. Right. And then it got mostly into Sasa. Right. What I wanted to know from you is how did you this is your first film, correct, Matthew?
3: Yeah. My first feature.
1: Your first feature. Okay, Mm -hmm. so why did you pick this particular topic of all you know the films,
3: right? Right. You know, well, I think it stems a little bit with first my my professional background was actually in journalism, um, and I've been working for a while as a freelancer for the New York Times for the Metro section, covering a lot of crime, uh, politics, but mostly dark, depressing stuff. And the music journalism was something I had also been doing simultaneously, writing for magazines like Wax Poetics, uh, which if you're like in the record collecting DJ producer community, that's like the the Bible. Uh, This magazine, they put out six issues a year. And every story is basically about some musician who laid the foundation for modern music and never gets the credit kind of thing, you know, like through people who are sampling them or just collectors who are being influenced and DJs and everybody, you know. Um, so I wrote an article for them uh, on Johnny Colon and I had kind of gotten a, a sense of what the story was there. And it, it had just been something that had been dancing around in my mind for a few years. Uh, having discovered the records, like right. you said yourself, just becoming curious about it. Cause it's different. It's yeah. not, it's not your same old Latin music. And it really opened my eyes to the like wealth of Latin music culture and history in New York. And being a native New Yorker, that also really piqued my interest. So I had this, this desire. I love New York history. I love music history. And for things that I'm passionate about and kind of wanting to get away from the, the day-to-day grind of the, of the news cycle and all the, you know, just depressing stuff we report on in the news, because that's the nature of the news business, this just seemed right for me. And uh, I just decided to start pursuing it.
1: Now, now being a filmmaker now. Uh, but in the beginning, just starting out, and you're putting the, the film together. Did you have any help as
3: far as uh, doing it? Because not at the beginning. Not in the beginning. Not in the beginning. I actually, I actually did something like a dozen plus interviews or more, almost, before getting anyone else on board. Um, but it wasn't without without those other people who did eventually come on board. I could never have made the film. Right. But it took you know it took just. Getting a camera, and I would never do anything this way now. Hopefully, right. <laughs> I really don't want to ever do anything this way again because, uh, I, as you said, I learned. I learned as I went. I had some experience. I'd interned for the New York Times uh, video department. Um, when I, and I picked up a camera when I was in uh, graduate school for journalism. So I had some experience with with cameras and stuff. Right. But um, but yeah, it, it just was kind of one of those things. I said, "Listen, I got to do this," and I, I you know took what little savings I had, bought a camera bought a little light a little total light you know and uh some audio equipment and just started bugging these guys saying please meet me and at right. first it was it was a challenge at first but little by little i got you know one guy after the other then i sort of had gave me a little credibility because i could say i mean i was able to say okay i work for the new york times this right. and that. So i worked for wax connected? i work for wax poetics well wax poetics actually connected me with joe because they had done an article a big article on joe uh a couple of years prior, and I even interviewed the guy who wrote that article right. as well, Oliver Wong, who's in the film. Um, and I thought he was an interesting expert because he lives all the way in California; he has no connection. So I wanted to show that that depth of how the music had traveled. But yeah, you know, and then eventually though, I was introduced to my uh, producer Elena Martinez, who had worked on uh, From Mambo to Hip Hop, okay. um, Benny Bonilla who was one of the band members of Pete Rodriguez Orchestra, he introduced me to her. He said, listen, you got to talk to my girl, Elena. She's going to help you. And she worked for City Lore. She still works for City Lore. Okay. They're a nonprofit organization um, that became my fiscal sponsor. And they, after a few years, eventually we were able to raise some grants together, uh, grant money.
1: So I assume they're pleased with the film?
3: They've been pleased with the film. And there were other people who who, who came on board along the way. You know, what it really took was just, there would be moments where we really didn't think it was going to happen. Right. That like I, we, we had a 40 minute rough cut that we showed in central park and we came very close after a year or two after that, we'd done Kickstarter raised some money on Kickstarter, but nothing else was coming through. I was so ready because I knew we'd never get the light money to license everything, all the footage, you know, I said, I'm just going to put it online. And I was so close to just putting it online and saying the hell with it. Just let it be what it is. And right when that happened, we got a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts to keep the projects alive. And the director of the media arts or, or independent film, I think it was, from National Endowment for the Arts called me. And she said, listen, I grew up in New Jersey but I used to go to the city every weekend dancing. And I remember this music and your movie and your story just really spoke to me. And I was like, thank you. You know, And that's what it comes down to is connecting with people. Sure. And the same thing happened when we got in the South by Southwest the um, the program, the main program director for for South by Southwest Film Festival, had also had a similar connection, where she had been in New York in, in like the seventies and remembered going out dancing to Latin music.
1: Who yeah. is your mentor in film?
3: You know, I, I've been, I mean, I, I definitely struck out on my own at first, but I've had a couple people who have um, have helped me along the way. One of my professors at the CUNY Graduate School of Journalism, uh, his name's David Lewis. And he directed a film called The Pleasures of Being Out of Step. It came out, I think, two years ago. It's about Nat Hentoff, uh, the famous writer, uh, just important jazz personality. Um, and he gave me some guidance. You know, there's a lot you got to be aware of in terms of the film festival politics and, and sure. you know, being very picky about your premiere and, and trying to roll out the film in the, in the best way possible. So he, he was really helpful with that. I have a good friend, uh, Ruben Atlas. Who directed a film called Hypnotic? Um, he was helpful as well. That that was on, on, on PBS. Um, Elena's been great, um, you know. But
1: so, uh, so, how long did it take you to do this film? Do the research and development? Sure. And to, film.
3: to basically to completing pro- production and post production was five years. Wow. Now a lot of that time was, as I said, spent trying to raise money. Well,
1: document. Well, documentaries. I know this for a fact take many years if you want to do it right yeah it takes many years to
3: yeah accomplish yeah I mean a lot of it was just trying to get the support and when you're a first-time filmmaker it's not so it's easy not it's easy. A, it's yeah. an uphill battle but you know when I got Elena on board we were able to kind of bring the prestige from Mambo to hip-hop tie that in a little bit saying hey look well we have someone tied to the project who at least made a full film and so that helped you know little by little it was about getting allies and people on board so
1: Joe Patan, the name—I could never forget that name because I always remember your name. I was young, but um, when I when this film came out, and your name was like Emma, the PR person first came up to me and said, "And would you do you mind reviewing the film?" And I said, "What film?" And then she told me about it, and I wanted to know—is how did you did you come up with the title? Did you come up with the title, and maybe no, Joe did? did. You, you did. did. And how did how did the whole title come out to be how, how did well, you think that would swing it
3: it just uh it, it became kind of obvious i mean we we had terrible titles to start <laughs> off with like boogaloo to salsa was the first one and i hate that so bad but thank god we didn't go with that because that's been done that blah 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 to blah 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 um but it just became obvious because i kept trying to tell people about the project and they'd be like what's boogaloo what's latin boogaloo and I'd be like, you know, you know that song. Oh, baby, I like it like that. Because everybody heard the Tito Nieves version because it was a Burger King commercial. So everybody knows that song. Sure. So after saying that like a hundred times to to kind of make people aware of what this whole thing was about, it just kind of clicked one day. I was like, I like it like that. Well, really, the story we're telling is about a community that, you know, took to the sound. So we like it like that.
1: I- you know, it attracted. Simple, me. It, but, <laughs> but you know what attracted me, and it it broke back memories. too. yeah, because I remember the whole lingo, and it was yeah. just a fantastic film. Uh, Joe, how did you get into this whole? I, did you feel good about it, about the whole filmmaking process? And- no, not at all.
2: Oh, uh, when when Matthew called me, of course I wanted to question him. I was a young kid, you know. What's he talking about? So first of all, I, I'm in the adage of growing up. And it's a title of my book that I'm writing, Streetology, right? Survival of this business of 50 years. So I already have a protective shield when people come to me and approach me about anything that I do or information. That's the way we grew up, right? He might probably wouldn't understand it, but that was a code of us in the streets and uh, being exploited for so long in this business, we are naturally, Protective when anybody comes to us and says, Hey, we want to do this, and they talk big bullshit, right? Uh Fanya did that to me, uh South soul did that to me. Uh you name it. All down the line, somebody always had ulterior motives. So a few years prior to him calling me, uh they had this segment that they put on channel thirteen, uh Latin Music.
3: USA. Yeah, USA.
2: So they came from England, and they made a big hock about it. And of course, I've always been on the outskirts of Fania because I was a rebel, and I'm the first artist to ever leave them. all right, because of a business situation. And uh, during that time, there was an attempt to assassinate me by music, by taking my records off the radio, and, oh, he's a rebel, let's get rid of his ass because he's only a bad influence on the other musicians, all right? So having all this in my mind and knowing that I was by myself and I already had me without financial backup to go against these big mongols, uh, I fought the only way I knew, streetology. And I started my own label and I did all that. And I was able to survive and prove that it wasn't the label that made Joe Boutin. It was my aggressiveness. Sure. So when he approached me and I had just done a documentary for Channel 13 and they edited the shit out of me. It took out everything that I said, because I was still in that category of being um, uh, revengeful
3: right. for what had
2: happened to me, not knowing that I was crying in my own beard. But I, I had to make sure that this guy wasn't coming with the same approach. And I told him, you know, I sort of told him the same way I did when I was a kid, when we was little miniature gangsters. I said, hey, don't waste my time, brother. Uh, and, and 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 interviewing me, and then you cut out everything that I said. If you're not gonna tell the truth, don't bother me. And I told him point blank I was serious, and he, he assured me. And I listened to him for a while, but of course I still had my doubts. You know, he says I'm gonna tell the truth, and this is why. And I told him what happened with Channel Thirteen. They they put it out, and nobody really told the truth. They were sort of like scared. I was, I was amazed that some of the things that they were saying, all Man. these artists that were involved, would not tell the truth. They were making excuses. You know what I'm saying? Get the hell out of here! This is criminal. I think oh.
1: I think it might have been because uh, uh, back in in your day, it was like survival. Yeah, true. And and uh, there was a lot of I believe a lot of jealousy no between that you you were you were the oldest in the group. You said in the film you were 19 and you right. were younger, right? Mm-hmm. But then you had the older music people that right. You came with it, uh, the sound that I think they were very jealous of you. oh
2: definitely I'm they like, wanted to uh, do it
1: in, in their sense, it, most likely in their minds, they just
2: wanted to ruin you and get you out of the picture, get you all out of the picture. so the same people it. that asked me to help them, <laughs> and right. I, I went out to help them asked for this meeting, and this is the this is not documented, but all of those names, some of them not here today, were in a room like this asking for my help because right. I was the hottest thing in Latin music. and hey, how can we get I said organized? That's what I said. So it had to be a curse word. They ran back and told those executives that were, trying, hey, Joe Batten starting trouble over there. That was their way to get in on the good side. And that's exactly right. what happened. So they got rid of me. And they said, well, we don't need him. And then Sasa sort of approached. And then all of the radio, everybody else said, yeah, OK, we don't need it. Let's keep it pure. You know, Let's not let these young cats get into it. And of course, the music didn't help by some of the artists because they were playing. A lot of the stuff turned to bubble gum you know, where it wasn't really lyrics or stories as opposed to the way I was doing it. They were just putting it out there and putting the beat, hoping that it felt. So everybody wanted to do a boogaloo. A lot of people weren't successful because with clave and soul, you got to feel both to be authentic. Very few musicians can do that because you didn't grow up that way. Right. You either grew up with the pure sound of clave or you grew up with the backbeat of R&B. But if you were fortunate to have a taste of both like New Yorkers were in New York, that's how we grew up side by side. And the wow. blacks uh, congregated the Latin dance halls and Latins congregated the soul dances. So we, there was no difference. There was no prejudice to that. Right? Even the Jews before that. See, that's it's what I country. find
1: intriguing. Huh? That's what I find very intriguing. Oh, it is? Because look at today. Look at the stuff that's happening now. But then I, I recall even walking to Washington Heights mm-hmm. and getting along with everyone. That's right.
2: They lost, they killed it. The purists killed it, you know, and they wanted to keep it. I say this all the time. They wanted it to be contained, which was foolish, which was stupid, because although it made big progress in the south of feeling, and went around the world, they didn't realize there was a much bigger audience like it is today. New York is the last to know what the hell is going on. I travel around the world now, thanks to the film and everything else. Everybody that interviews me wants to know about the old days. They're amazed at my stories because I tell the truth. They can't believe that the first uh, big concert wasn't Yankee Stadium. It was the concert that I shoot in Trey Shea Stadium. They can't believe that I was doing this type of music when Columbia said, why don't you get in touch with Santana and Mongo? I said, I don't need those guys. They're copying off me. I did this already before. How it was easy for me is because I was an R&B singer, doo-wop guy, that was very difficult to break into that field back then. Smokey Robinson, James Brown. Come on, where the hell are you going to go from Saul, Who the hell? Are you? you don't have no unique voice. So, breaking into Latin was perfect. Joe Cuba was doing it, Hector Rivera, and they were just making little small inroads into this with English lyrics. I said, shit, I could do that. This is right down my alley. And it, it was not difficult for me to make that transition to do this type of music. So, when they thought about it being new, the only difference for the boogaloo that people were playing, what I played was was my lyrics. Right, how talks. did you learn? Did, mm-hmm. you go to, did you go to school? No, before, I went to, you <laughs> went to
1: jail. Okay, but how did you, because you you're funny, but my mentor, Ted Concher, who grew up a filmmaker in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, he's 84 now, he did movies like First Blood and, and so on, but he never went to film school. Okay, <laughs> at that's all. how I feel now about it, film. Right, and he had to he had to leave Canada to go to London. He picked London because at that time, they were starting to boom television, right. film, and theater.
2: So exactly. That's,
1: and you learned everything. Same story so, is
2: true with me. I yeah. came out of here like a uh, self-taught musician. I learned how to sing before I knew theory. So my ear training was a natural progression of listening to sounds and airwaves and developing the sound, not knowing the connotation for these uh, things that I was developing with my ear with kids. So by trial and error, this acapella stuff that I was doing, I already knew how to arrange mentally before I knew anything about a note. And I knew nothing about Latin music. It was only because this guy threw me out of a rehearsal, you know, and I I promised him. I said, well, I'll kick your ass. I said, I'm going to show you one day that I'm going to start a band. And that's exactly it's a Cinderella story that this is what I want to project on film, because that's my next project. After him showing me what's happening in film, I think he's behind because he should be on Project 2. What I'm already thinking, I know something is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to get my story on the screen. That's on my bucket list. Uh, I've had some offers. I don't need any cameras. Tell I, you need, how. I need financial backing. Your book. <laughs> that, I'm and the, in the book project. needs to film. That's what a lazy ass, I got 20 pages after 20 years. Yeah, I got a film. I gave it. you your book transcript. Remember?
1: The person you didn't believe in Matthew. Right. right. So now he comes along. I told him this a long time ago. And then now, now what do you think of
2: Matthew now? Like, I'm just curious. Like, what, I what, think Matthew did a great job, but he's making the one mistake that I did and a lot of artists have done. Savannah Band did it. When they had one of the biggest records out, they waited too long to come back with the second project. Get me wrong. To bust a record, you need eight weeks of solid saturation. Same thing with film. That's how people put out films at different times of the year. Once you ride the momentum, you got to capitalize on it. If you don't, it may never come back again. You know he's going to capitalize on it? Wow, International. Okay. If now he wakes I up from what I'm Ryan telling Morrison him
3: now. Thing. I'm always on to He running wants me to make this film. Which uh, I'm into, man. I'm into we gotta I'm do do it. I'm it we got to get the money. we got to get the
1: money. The Latin Bugalo. Like, it's... Look, you, you even said that it's its uh, ignited your, your career, right? Mm-hmm. And you're traveling all over, and uh, you, you're teaching, you're doing music, uh, you're playing music all over the country. Well, obviously, in, in other countries, uh, that music is wanted. They love it. Yeah, they pray for it. So yeah. that film is going to be craved. So I think that is a way you
2: know, to... To get your film out there. I'm sorry, I'm 73. At... I know. I can't wait around. <laughs> He's young. You see, no, I, a... I mean, don't get uh, me wrong. I, I got the, the energy, but I know time is of the essence. But you know what it is when it comes to the film industry,
1: um, and he knows this. He he needs to get it out there. And how did how does he do that? He hits film festivals, and then uh, you know it's a way of of, of showing your film. And getting, getting, and you hope what what you do is you hope that a
2: distribution company comes along, sees the film, and goes, "I want this." I, I agree with you, but I'm not of that mold. I know I'm I a different you. mold person. I make things that nobody ever gave Joe anything. I had to go and get it. Sure, and that's the aggressiveness. Jokin's the shortest distance between He's, two points is, is a straight line. So I don't want to deviate. I don't got time to deviate. Oh, I to go it. I'm going for it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but the trust with the god. If he if he wants this to happen, it's going to happen, and I want to do this before I die. That's, I that's it, that. can, you know. So you know when I, I told him, and anything that I can do to uh, project this, I'm going to do, and I do it through social media. I already got off. I think you're doing it now because yeah, you're right.
1: Your name alone is what sparked me. Okay, to go watch that film. <laughs> Just so you know okay great. and and i was young then but i knew your name i knew i saw the albums i knew your name my father was cuban okay you know he passed away in august and he knew your name
2: he mentioned and i go what that you know and this is like in the younger years yeah. i want to sound arrogant but my story needs to be put on the shelves of schools of every youngster that has aspirations of doing something that didn't have a chance. When we grew up, the only way to make it in this business was to become an athlete or an entertainer. We never thought about college. That was out of the question. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford a piano. So mm-hmm. this story, because we sit on history, we tend to lose, right? If we don't talk about it and we don't project it to the offspring, well, look what's happening to the music industry. All of these youngsters are copying old songs that old guys did. Bullshit. Where's their creativity? They, they don't have this, no chance to do it.
1: Radio is shit. But That's what they do in film. And the reason why they do this in film, in big studios, is because it's less of a risk. Okay. And it makes money. Right. That's why they people do sequels. And <laughs> uh, they go do Star Wars again. And, you know. <laughs>
2: How many percentage make you know, it?
1: or oh, they go to a book that's the bestseller. I You know, New York yeah. bestseller. And they, and they try to expand on it. I grew up on TCM. You know. Yeah. That's what I look at. So, so I've, I've been watching is, since the '20s, but but <coughs> I, I I have these talks with filmmakers all the time, mm-hmm. and they agree with me. What happened to being creative and coming up with something new? I mean, look at all these cop shows and so on, yeah, continuos right. on on, and 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 nobody comes with something unique. You came you came with a film that nobody has done and is new and unique. One of the things
3: that makes me proud about this film, especially. You know, with everything you hear now about just, you know, Hollywood and, and lack of diversity, I'm very proud to have made a film predominantly about people of color. And, and I think those stories need to be told, because, especially from the Latino perspective, because we're left off the map in terms of the American experience. And the point I really stress and people ask me, you know, what do you want people to take away from this, mm-hmm. that this music is not just Latin music. It's American music. Right, right. This music was made here, was made by the influences of cultures here. And it deserves a place alongside rock, alongside jazz, all these all these styles of music, you know, Latin boogie was a part of that experience. They never
2: had a category for Latin soul. I mean, how do you pass by that? I mean, I'm not arrogant, you know, everybody wants to be mentioned, but I see the politics that's involved. Everybody got on the board and yeah, I'm gonna nominate this for years. I mean, people that, that came into this business as a result of what we were doing back then. They weren't even thinking of having anything. Smokey Robinson is the one premier guy that's responsible for this Latin boogaloo. And he don't even know because his earlier songs were cha-chas and with English lyrics. But he had no name for it. Mary Wells did his songs and stuff like that. So all this history needs to be researched and put into schools so that kids can know. Right. That they have a chance to do something and they can study their history. But if you have nothing, this if you didn't do this film, this probably would have been
1: lost for years. Right. But see, that's that's where I believe that there's a destiny here. There's something here. I hope so. And you launch something and you could change things. And you, because of your experience in the music business, you're a legend. And you know that. And people look at you as a legend. You know, obviously when you uh, when I saw the film, not to take Johnny Cologne away, mm-hmm. but I noticed there was a big difference between when he got on stage and you got on stage. That was on purpose. When you got on stage, <laughs> there was more movement out there. Yeah. You know, and uh, and uh, I, I just, not to take away from him, <laughs> no, I Johnny's, you know, I, I, I idolize him too. I Everything that everyone's done, I think,
3: is, is a part of history. I think that mm-hmm. the whole, that whole community that they came out of was so rich with talent. Yeah, and and it's, it's just, <laughs> it's been kind of unrecognized. And True. then I felt like that was that was a shame. And, and that needed to, to do to be, that film
2: you know? and take that error, because I was just as much shocked as he, as he was when he approached me. He says, well, no, I want to do about the Boogaloo. And I said, hey, this guy, is, he's pinpointing it. It wasn't like, let me grab all of this. No, he was actually well, segregating that error from the rest that had so, already been publicized. And I said, maybe, just maybe this guy might be for
3: real. This, so this comes back to something Joe mentioned earlier, which was the, that PBS film, Latin Music You Say, which I don't know if you stuck around for the Q&A, but I, I mentioned this, yeah. uh, but I'll, I'll just reiterate that um, I had seen it when they, they had, it was like a several part series and they had one film called Salsa Revolution, which is the mm-hmm. one they interviewed Joe for. And it predominantly focused on the following year All-Stars. Important story. Great story to tell for sure. So I heard about it was coming out. I didn't know exactly what the focus was, but I knew it was going to be about Latin music in a peri- around the period where I had already started doing a little research and getting interested in this project and pursuing it. So I got very nervous. I said, "Uh oh, did they do what, did they do my idea? Like, am I too late?" And I watched it, and they interviewed Johnny. They interviewed Joe. They had them each on for maybe one soundbite. And then they had Johnny Pacheco saying something like, "Ah, yeah, Boogaloo was garbage," and then that was it. They moved on to, but like from that whole era of the late, you know, basically sixty-five to seventy, when that whole scene happened, they just kind of skipped over it and said, "All right, we're in the seventies now, and let's just forget about that as if it was insignificant." I was like, "Wow, that that was motivation for me," wow. because That's I said, so cool. "I think this era, not not to take away from the." era that, that comes right after and the era, the era that precedes it, Mambo. Mambo and Salsa have been covered. There are several films about both topics out there. Nobody had done a film about the 60s. And the 60s are a really interesting period in America in general. And, you know, all this stuff going on, this revolution, all this, you know, uh, changing people, changing their way of thinking, youth revolution, youth movements. But it's like you never really hear about Latinos in that story especially Northeast, like New York Latinos, that's like, they don't ever, I'd never really, yeah. I mean, I'd like, there'd been a bit done on the Young Lords, not to say that there hadn't been, but like, you know, what, what else was happening, a bigger picture there. And I thought the music was a great way to tell that story and kind of focus on this period. And then the more and more I did the interviews, I actually really saw the val- what the value was and what, what guys like you and, and, and the other musicians from that period had done was, they had really kept it alive because the generation was on their way out the door. The generation of young Latinos growing up in New York, everyone kept saying this to me. It was like, ah, you know, it was my parents' music. It was corny until I heard, you know, bang, bang, or I heard, I like it or I, heard, or I listened to Joe Batan's music. You know, it was like that all of a sudden said, wow, like I can relate to this. It, it, it represents me. They felt, they took pride in it. Um, and I said, you know, Boogaloo and that whole era, and also, it's important to note that you listen to Joe's old records. He wasn't playing just Boogaloo and Latin Soul. He had right, some hardcore Nescarregas right, right, yeah. Mambos that yeah. were great. And some of my favorites, actually. Like, I love Fuego to this day. That's on heavy rotation yeah. in my um oh,
2: It's coming out in the film this year. Good. That's a China. great
3: song. Uh, he's done a lot. Done, and all of them, they, they weren't just doing it. So, and we, we addressed that in the film where they would be you know, play a few Boogaloo's, but then bring on the harder stuff, you know, the more traditional, uh, slightly more traditional, but with that sort of New York feel. And that to me is mm-hmm. re- directly paving yeah. the way for Salsa. So doesn't, that doesn't happen. We don't have Salsa. important
2: in that era was the name. Nobody else did this, but I had the insight to know if I kept the name Boogaloo with Joe Batan synonymously, I would die out. It wouldn't last because it was a bubblegum name. So I decided to change up at an early stage to say that I represented Latin soul, because I knew that was a word that w- wouldn't be killed off. You could describe that easier than you could Boogaloo, because everybody's still asking what the heck is Boogaloo. So throughout the years, I proved that Fania wasn't the only story in town. They were jealous of what I did because I started South Soul Records, and I did it again back in the 70s and the 90s. I brought rap music. I brought. The, I just put the cowbell into soul, and it was South Soul, which meant salsa Soul never got the credit. People try to take the credit. It's only now that people realize that I coined the name and it was mine and I started it. But what I did was, because I kept that name Latin soul, and I even told him, I said, I don't want to be known as Boogaloo Artist. You see, that kept me alive until today because it opened up a broader spectrum for Joe Bataan to operate
1: right. worldwide.
2: So what's what's your future look like? Boy, there's no telling. I mean, I, every soon as I get off the plane, somebody's calling me. It's scary. I'm uh, playing now more than than I had hoped to. And it's so busy that it's not allowing me time to do the things that are on my bucket list. The book, uh, the film that I want to bring to screen. I don't need any cameras. I'm past that. I'm past people. I got thousands of people coming up to me. I want to do a documentary. That's, that's I'm past that. Uh, and... I also, somebody threw this at South by Southwest and I didn't think of it any other uh, before, but now my mind is thinking like a director, right? Mm -hmm. He said, TV series. And I said, holy shit. They would blow this wall off the damn era if the TV series, give me three episodes. Give me a trailer to put out the Boogaloo story for an hour. Get some actors to reproduce that scene and how it was and see where it would go. I see that,
1: like a dirty dancing type. Yeah, but what's type? that
2: show that became very popular that they did with the oldies, and uh, it was on Channel Five. Uh, uh, they used to do old songs, and it was a big hit, biggest, biggest TV show. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember if it was. But the I Boogaloo guess. story would do the same because nobody knows. Yeah, nobody has. They touch Greece, they touch the West Side Story, they touch, right. but nobody has touched the Boogaloo stories
3: i told you i pitched it i pitched to try and do a little episodic so what's your future look in, in, in um, the industry? Or? yeah so i've uh started work on a new music documentary about soul jazz and jazz funk uh it's a similar in a way a somewhat similar story about a group of musicians who were overlooked in the within the jazz field mm-hmm. um you know artists like roy ayers and herbie hancock and i mean they, they get credit but the music that they did in the 70s never gets recognized within within the canon of like jazz history except who picked up on it a generation later all your golden era hip-hop samples so kind of how the music traveled and how uh how how it left its mark in other realms um this is not a hundred percent yet but i'm supposed to start um uh, a short film for red bull uh Red Bull TV and Red Bull Music Academy sure. on uh, Eddie Palmieri and Harlem River Drive. Okay. Um, that if that happens, it's going to happen in the next two months. So be on the lookout for it. If it does well, happen, I know, we're, I we're. I mean, they, they're trying everything <laughs> they can to make it happen. Um, you got a um,
2: question for you? But we'll see um, what that happens. The uh, a Frank story. Sinatra documentary. Yes. You know the name of the director? Uh, Is it a Peyton or something like that? Do you no, know but I it? can find out. I'll find
1: out. They yeah, approach, I'll, he approached me. We'll Google that later.
2: And what they're planning to do is, and there's a new span on music, they're gonna take the music from East Harlem. Okay. And show the influence around the world. What and it's just not Latin. It's anything that came out of East Harlem at that time. So they of course approached me and said, Well, you're a big piece and we want to get your story. So that's in the works. Um, uh, but I, I he told me the name of the director, but I don't remember. I know he said. What he you didn't. do is
1: you contact uh,
2: your PR person.
1: The PR person talks to the other PR person, and that's how you get. Okay, you know. So, right. and,
3: uh, along the <laughs> some of the stuff Joe's been saying, I am also trying to pursue, like doing sort of an episodic, uh, maybe starting off as just like a web series at first, but getting actors telling some of these stories in in a narrative, uh. That's- Idea. Form and just starting it that way. Um, so, Joe, don't worry. I'm pursuing. I'm interested. I promise. <laughs> How
1: come Johnny? Johnny Johnny's the, is John because I noticed that Johnny didn't
3: go to the. Uh, he was going to come. Uh, his, he wasn't feeling so great, so. But he, he's he's good. He's yeah. he's actually starting well, his school. I'm going to be honest uh,
2: with you because nobody's going to tell you, and I'm the right. honest guy. A lot of these musicians are set in their old ways. Right, they can't see. The future because they're only still operating in the past, right? I've approached Johnny many times. I said, Look, you want to come on the circuit, do this, and that, yeah, but I have to have it this way. And then I say, And I'm saying to myself, Well, who the fuck do you think you are? It's not like that. You got to get up off your ass and you got to do so. People don't remember the last thing you did, they want to know what you're doing now. So that's the problem with a lot of these guys. They can't think past. Uh, what they did and accomplished. Could
1: be they don't want change. Yeah, well, and, and
3: look, he 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 has other he has other pursuits. He's actually right. uh, starting his school again, okay. and that's mm-hmm. where his his passion is. So I respect what he's doing. He wants to
1: teach, um, teach
3: youngsters. That's like what he's uh, and exactly. what he did for for mm-hmm. 30, 40 years. So he's actually sure. uh, in the process now of raising money to start his school again, and, and they're gonna I think start in the Lower East Side. So uh, I think he's doing, he's doing good stuff. You know, Joe, just everybody you, has their different drives and passions, you know.
1: Joe, you even mentioned that the youngsters today are not very creative. They like doing things, singing and using the, the old stuff, the music,
2: and uh, they don't I know how to allow be- them to create because maybe they think you- that's their, their key to doing success. But it's not because it's making the music stay stagnant. When our day we had competition. I wanted to know what right. Johnny Colon was doing, Joe Cuba, because I was going to bust their butts and doing something better. So there was that comp, uh, competition that was good for the business, you know. It's just like film when you had a lot of films that were coming out. Wow, I got a choice of ten films as opposed to only oh, there's only one picture good worth seeing this year, you know. Well, maybe that's something that you could also work on too. It's
1: changing uh, the way young people are thinking now, and I'm trying. and and <laughs> No, come up with an idea. Like like an agent or manager type and change uh, the way they, they do things and so they could be creative and get and market and and use this film. Well, we're <laughs> also very
3: interested to... in um in using the film for, you know, educational purposes. We've been <laughs> to Rutgers where we showed it to students. I've done something with Columbia University yeah. already. We're getting a lot of universities reaching out. Musical? Um, as well. yeah, There's a lot of yeah, people that have talked about one. that too. I'm just... You yeah. know, it, yeah.
1: Because, you know, it's it's music. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's. Oh, it listening. would
3: lend itself very well to you, this.
1: Let me tell you something. My friends are the original Jersey Boys. Oh, really? Yeah, all four of them. And now they created afterwards, uh, after five years of their run, and I think the last one... Uh, was Robert Spencer, who lasted six years. Okay. They got together and they created their own band called the Midtown Men. Okay, You go to midtownmen.com, right, you see the original Jersey Boys. And they travel all over the United States I and they get their own thing going. You know? Uh, and that's yeah. what I'm trying... And, and uh, how do they generate? They market themselves okay. through the Jersey Boys <laughs> musical, which made a lot of money and still making a lot of money to this day. Who would have known? That it would have made money because nobody
2: knows it when it comes to theater. True, you know. So well, the music was good, right? And it was an era that everybody had heard of, and it didn't matter whether you were black, white, or what—you you enjoyed that music because you recognize it. You see, but, so that's the here's difference the thing, in Europe. Okay, <laughs> the Latin blue is known. Right. No, you're right, and,
1: and Europe is huge, you know. And in the United States, believe it or not, you know, this film I think is going to. A lot of, I think the, the younger generation do not know what the music is. But see, but, you could say that. But, but a lot
2: of people who, that we're involved with can't think past New York. Right, right. That's not my but, fault. I but, can't wait but here, if a guy can't see international. But here's the thing
1: to the youngsters now, when they hear that music, it might be brand new. It'll be brand new right. to them. Yeah. It is. And then, bam,
3: right. they love it. No, and, we, and speaking and, of Europe, we've done very well. We, we've right. sold out in London, we sold out in Barcelona um we sold out in germany i mean the movie it surprises me we went to a screening in london there wasn't a single latino in the audience and i was like wow i've never been to a screening of this film without one latino here so and it's cool time. and that was cool and then they had they had an after party for for the film in, in london and some actually some pretty like legendary british djs were spinning and they were doing this dance you know northern soul yes So there's like a London version of Northern soul dance. And they were, and they've been telling me we've been playing these Latin soul and Boogaloo records since the eighties. And here they were doing this Northern soul style dance. I had never seen it in person before. (laughs) I'd seen some videos and it's sort of this funky hopping thing that they do, but it looks nothing like salsa, nothing like Latin music, but they were getting down. And I was like, wow, like this around, is cool to see world. how the movie music travels. names
2: for this music. It was acid Rock. And acid it Jazz was. is what it is. Yeah, Jazz. I was yeah. on that label, so I know. And yeah. that's what I say, that
3: yeah, there's Stevenson.
2: an interest worldwide. So how long do you wait for somebody to wake up or before it dies out?
1: Died out even
2: in Columbia, South America.
1: I just came back to New York City. Latin, the Latin uh, Bugaloo. What happened to your career after the Latin boogaloo died out? Did it continue? Did it no? I went on to another career. You went on to another career? I did
2: soul and I did Latin, but I still called it Latin soul. You don't know I his rap album? Do right.
3: you know about his rap album? Then I did a rap album. Then
2: everybody told me I was crazy. I did the first rap record. He I'm comp- the he was one that did
3: competing with Sugar album. Hill Gang. Really, was, really, no, no, like clap three like million it.
2: records I sold in Europe. Yeah, I am known as true. the premier rap artist that started
3: it. Oh. Wow. He really, this man See, is. A of he adapt. He adapt.
2: Black magazines never gave me credit. Vibe never gave me credit. It passed by because this was Latino. They're not it with this hip hop thing, you know. They took other. There was another guy, Sound Machine, that did a rap record. They never even discussed a big record, okay to you? But that's how the prejudices of this industry was at that time. Right, if you right, weren't through sure. this or you weren't here, I, there, people still finding out that I'm part black. So now uh, News One calls me joke. People don't know that you're part black. What the hell is the difference? The only ones that knew were the Smithsonian when they they honored me. It was a Latinos, Black History Month, and uh, the Asian community. And they put my portrait up in the museum. That was a thrill of my life. Right. But they realized and said that I was a bridge connecting all of these nationalities to this day. And that's what I wanted to do all along. I want to look in my audience and you don't know who's coming to see Joe Don't say that it's just Latinos. It could right. be anybody up the street from 9 to 90. I couldn't
1: stand that. I was stereotyped all my life. Italian yeah okay look at that look at yeah see I know yeah Cuban Dominican
3: yeah you know people actually
2: got upset when they found out that I was you oh they got upset
3: well people always want to put you in a box and that's what's beautiful about this sound and I just think cultural hybridity whether or not that's the word I don't know but it's a beautiful thing I think just culture's coming together we 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 need to stop being so divisive true I right, think that's, right. and we do it in our music, we do it in our culture. And yeah. and what's special about America, what's special about a place like New York is- still trying to get that together. Things like, come together, you In know?
2: California, in the 60s, I played with Ray Barretto, and I couldn't understand why half of the audience was on one side in the Palladium, the other half was over here. So every time I played a Latin song, they would get up to dance. Then when I would play a low ride, a slow jam, they would get up to dance. It took me all these years to figure out, and I thought they were all the same, cause they all looked the same that there was a division in the music and in the culture to this day. Mm-hmm. It's not blacks that go see the soul shows in California. It's like Raza in Chicanos. the the Mexicans.
1: Yeah. I yeah. got 90% I
2: of an audience of Mexicans that love Joe Batan. You can't go down the street without them saying uh, Joe Batan is that guy. And I said, why me? I'm not Chicanos. It doesn't matter. You play what we like.
1: So now that the film's out, right? The film is out. mm mm-hmm. um, when you walk in the street, or when Joe, when you're walking in the street, do the music people come up to you? Uh,
2: Not really, it hasn't hit that
1: thing yet, like no, the old days. But social media, it does. The social media, where yeah. people, yeah, like, yeah that continues. Yeah. Hey,
2: yeah, you know, are they positive about it or? Oh yeah, the New York Times article just came out, and I got hits from Japan, uh, London, California. I mean, it's amazing how that social media thing works. Especially oh, I just learned about hashtag. So now I'm oh, yeah. getting into it, boys going all around. Even you know.
1: I, I, I when I when I did it, I people were emailing me. <laughs> Look at that.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, you
1: really. know, and I, no, uh, really I couldn't understand. Was
2: like, I said, uh how does Jennifer Lopez have a million followers and I only could get five thousand? You know? And I was saying, but <laughs> we got the same page. She's gotta be under the same rules that I am until there's a lot about the social media that we don't know. And that's the next wave because there's only three record companies left. Right? So where do you go? Beyonce proved it. She went through YouTube and this. So that's that's, right. that's the next era where we got to go. So I want to put my video on YouTube, put it out, see how many hits I can get, because that's how you make money. Oh, sure. It's by the hits. It ain't oh, by sure. oh, how many records I saw. Forget about that. That's yeah. old Old stuff now. I can't remember
1: no. her name, but there was a girl that I knew that uh, she did a, uh, a couple songs and and what she did was instead of going to iTunes and all these people, mm-hmm. she sold it for a $1. dollar. Hundred and fifty thousand yeah. people bought it. Look at that. Yeah. Because wow, of her social media, her Yeah, you I got it. Her, how they, do it. Yeah, they liked it. Bam, bam bam bam. They bought, you know. Look at
2: it. That. That's, that's what I
1: sold it for one dollar and <laughs> everybody wow. went and they you know, they bought this stuff. But of course, with your film, um, I think your, your film has a lot of meat to it and uh, it's educational experience. You brought a lot of history to Latino music. It's something that I forgot and now remembered and enjoy because it was a, a good period in, in, in my life. Wow. growing up. And um, it's been, I think it's going to do very well. Thank you. And, and I wish you great success you. in the film. Thank you. And I just hope that you realize that Get it into the Oscars? <laughs> yeah, it was a gentleman,
3: right? It was. In the um, and A—that's the second person, someone, second yeah. time someone said that. Yeah. I fully, fully do you know appreciate. Why I, say that I because... don't have you know unreal. I I just try and stay humble and just keep keep grinding. You know, a lot of people that but... do documentaries
1: are not aware that if you win to prestigious film festivals, that you qualify to enter it in the Oscars. Mm. A lot of people do not realize. Like people, I always tell people short films and. Mm-hmm. animation short Man. entry, Do yeah. it. you know, and, and, you know,
3: you yeah, never know. You never know. But honestly, like it's, it's, it's surpassed my expectations. Um, it's done. The response has been really great and it's just been rewarding to see, to see these guys, guys like Joe, you know, getting the attention I feel they deserve. Um, one of the, one of the nicest things was when we got uh, in Lincoln center, we got Joe, not only Joe, but Pete Rodriguez and Richie Ray, Playing on the same bill at Lincoln Center for you know like ten thousand people, and Pete himself hadn't him played. He played one show in forty years. Wow! And his son called me the next day. He's like, "Listen, we got to find more gigs for my dad. He's got the bug again." And I was like, "This is great. You know, I'm just happy to 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 see these guys playing and 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 doing what they should be doing, being appreciated like they should be." You know,
2: that's fine what what Matthew says, but you know, I gotta disagree that although he's happy for us. He's responsible because he started this shit. There's something else that he can do mm-hmm. to put this over the hump because now he has the name. He he can utilize this and take the wave and try to sell different ideas. I think the aggressiveness is short stay. Yeah, he needs a fire under him that, that's gonna push him off the planet. I'm sorry, I do it all the time. And today, me talking to you, this is on purpose. Okay. I'm firing him up. Without him even thinking that the interview is with you, but I'm firing him up because if he doesn't do it, I'm going to do it. Help like I say he's has yeah. motivation.
3: Mot- and, motivation and is a victim. And he still, he still yeah, has that knife. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> momentum is the key. No, you're right. You're right. You yeah. Got something hot. Yeah, run with it. See where it goes. It's true.
0: I'm
3: lower. not sitting on my laurels. Don't what I saw down, that day
1: uh, in the premiere on March third, when I walked in and I saw all those people there, I was amazed. Of the ethnic background. It was all. Mm.
3: It was mixed. It was definitely very mixed. mixed. Yeah, it's beautiful. No, the crowds. And I, I want to stress this because we're going to be doing more screenings. And, you know, even though the movie's out on VOD, I think there is a unique experience to be had by coming to see it on the big screen. Because mm. uh, it's just this. Every time we do it, it seems to be this really nice communal uh, experience of people just really getting into they, the, they the, the film. And, and yeah, and we all, you know, so we always. Plus,
1: there was a woman that right away because i know this because of the uh the percentage of women directors and writers and
3: you know, oh who asked about asked about you know
1: and i even knew the answer to that because in those days there weren't really a
3: lot of women
1: oh right you know yeah Yeah. band leaders you know singers at that time especially in latin boogaloo yeah
3: i mean as as i said in that when i answered that question you know the only one we maybe could have put a little attention on was la lupe but right. when i started this film there had just been a whole la lupe documentary that had come out
1: right so, so
3: in my mind uh, i just felt like these guys haven't gotten any attention you know and and let's let's give them their moment and you know what was nice somebody came up to me after that 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 screening the other day and said it was a woman too and she said thank you for making a film positive film about latino men that doesn't happen enough and i was like I never thought of it that way it wasn't to me whether i was thinking about making a film about men or women whoever i was just trying to make a film about music and musicians and as i as i said we'd wanted to talk to to joey pastron's backup singers they just turned me down but there was a woman and there were several women in the film in the film there were several women in the film speak uh, uh, and speak to the dance
2: she's been sick i don't know that um no the two girls
3: Oh, the co- the terminal, uh, terminal Yeah, no, so she wasn't. She didn't want to well. be bothered. She, be by that. she sat
2: that. next to me and almost didn't recognize me. I didn't even, uh, she came to see me play yeah. in Jersey.
3: But they were an important part of his sound, Joey Pastrana's sound. Yeah. If you listen, the female vocalist in his in his band really added something. So I really did want to talk to them. But I thought they were great. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there were a few other singers who who, who you know contributed a bit for sure. Uh, do you feel proud? course yeah i do i mean i've the fact that it's on sale I know. <laughs> music I licensing footage licensing i mean there was just mountains of stuff that had to be dealt with and it's been it's been a it's been an experience you know it's been it's been experience the only thing sometimes you know joe doesn't quite understand is that when it comes to starting the next thing you gotta have as many of your what do they say ducks in a row or sure. eggs lined up because there's so many things that can keep you from actually putting out a product so, that, you know, that get in that the way. The story so. that
2: comes to me is Robert De Niro is over there. I read all kinds of things. And uh, I forget the guy's name that did um, Bronx Tale. Chas Pimentarius. So he, he has him. this story. He brings it to, hey, yeah. would you do it? That's, that's it. Yeah. Well, we the movie all the musical? The movie. He's doing a musical now. Look at that. So he hasn't yeah. given up. And this guy was, he yeah. used to sing yeah. on the streets up there in Belmont because he sang with some of the guys that I used yeah. to know. You know, just like Danny DeVito. I didn't know that he they did all that stuff doing that. Well, they kind of knew another. each other. And I
1: think, you know, they he read the script and he liked it, but he only would do it if he was a supporting actor, not a main actor. Yeah. De Niro. Oh, okay. All right. I was, um, you know, as the buzz, yeah. yeah. Well, you we know,
3: really like the idea of doing an episodic, you know, something to, to move this, push this story forward. I think there's a, wealth of material that we could because there's so many stories that didn't quite fit in the context of of a documentary that kind of you need to keep it moving you know and 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 keep the, the audience engaged while not you know getting too bogged down in certain details but in a narrative format we could really get into some of the more personal stories that i've that i've heard along the way that and joe in particular has quite a lot Quite a lot of stories. Uh, very,
1: very... And there will be some a,
3: DVD extras also in the DVD when it comes out, which... Well, that that, well that I heard in the,
1: in the uh, question and answer that you were launching the music, too, for the soundtrack. soundtrack as the, well. And that, that's a plus, too.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, not a lot of people could do that or, or have the power to do that. And the documentary, really, I mean... Yeah. Because it'll, yours is a music documentary. That
3: it'll, it'll help. And we, yeah, we hope everyone will, you know, go out and pick... up. Film, pick up the soundtrack pick up the dvd the t-shirt whatever you know is if they want to you know support us it's it's more than appreciated of course
1: well i thank you for this beautiful interview right, thank you guys you. are wonderful and the film is great thank you so thank you and uh wonderful and joe <laughs> you're too you're young
2: <laughs> Have <a long> time. <laughs> you know good yeah When's your next you can... show in the name of brooklyn college Well, i'm going to texas and then I'll be in Philadelphia. That's going to be big. Oh, yeah, we're doing
3: a Philly premiere. NPR and, and
2: World mm-hmm. Cafe is in back. WXPN. It, and they're going to let everybody in free in Philadelphia. So I expect it's gonna be cool. a turnout like Lincoln it's Center. It's going to be the, the Everybody's screening gonna and to kind of but Latinos like to get dressed up and come down to the Prince Theater yeah. and see a free show. So that's
3: going to be big. Oh, that's, we have some Canada so, stuff yeah. coming up.
2: So eventually, because of the film and what I'm doing, c- simultaneous, because it wasn't an accident. It was sort of like in my plan, also, but it's working out the way I envisioned it, you know. And something is going to pop. I just know it. I just know something. I always
1: learned. Uh, a business associate of mine said to me once, Antonio, nothing happens by accident.
2: Okay, here you go. You can make uh, it happen. You can make it happen, <laughs> that's right? You you can can make it.
1: Look, when my you first film, <laughs> you're around. You're you're an expert of it. It's launching." Both your careers is relaunching your career. Right. And it's your career is launching sky high. Your next film, you know, it's up to you what you yeah. do on it. But yeah. this film is going to help your next film. Either. That's right. That's what I, no, I hope so,
3: you know. And, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, I want to pursue different things besides music. But sometimes when it comes to the music, it's like you can't wait around. Sure. So it's like this other music project, I have several other things that I'm going into, but I had to start on it. Because the was guys were passing that, away last There year. was this
1: film I like got new seven, to eight years ago. He did Perfect Disasters on Natural Geographics, okay, mm-hmm. about the the solar flares of the sun, mm-hmm. okay. After that, two, three years later, he did a, he did an independent film called Monsters. Mm-hmm. And it made, it, the budget was like half a million dollars, but it made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, his next film was Godzilla.
0: Wow. Get
2: out of town. Now look at that.
0: He
1: was hired to do, do Rogue One wow. Star Wars.
2: His name ah,
0: get
1: Darth Edwards. Get out of here. So That's use that amazing. as a leverage yeah. that, look at that it's not impossible. No. It is possible. Yeah. And it's all about passion, and yeah. love, and, and love and film, and, and you could restart. You, you restarted your career. You're going all over the country, do what you love. The world, you, right. you know, and um, bond oh. together and work together. Okay. Thank you. No, no, he's you he's, you know,
3: he's and, my confidant now. He, yeah. he talks to me like you know he's another That's father good. for <laughs> me too. Lot, you know, I, I, I've been blessed to. I have extended family now.
2: Well, you know, when I was a youngster, I was hoping that there would be somebody there for me, you know, and all the things that you you always want to look up to somebody. You know, I had some people fortunate in my life, like a priest that got me back into school after I was kicked out things like that. So sure. It's very important. So I would think he needs the same thing. You know, whether he wants it or not, I was going to give it to him anyway.
3: <laughs> you
1: know? There was a lot of people I met, like Ice-T,
3: yeah,
2: the Victims
3: Union. I still remember the first yeah. time he called, I left a message. And he called me on my phone. I remember I was I was with my, my now wife. She was my girlfriend then. I was like Joe Pate is calling Joe Joe <laughs> <laughs> And now it's like I'm like ah oh, Joe's calling me again. I just I can't <laughs> I told my publicist she's Cuban
1: that I was interviewing you both, mm-hmm. and, and she goes Joe Paterno. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, it's nice to be. Reminded. She's old, She's older than me. Wow. She's almost sixty. So, but, okay. you know, she remember, she's Cuban and she remembers mm-hmm. your music. Everybody, I think a lot of all the Latinos remember your music, mm-hmm. you know, and you. and I think that that's why the film, I think, is going to do great. And and I just hope it does uh, great overall, not just in the Latino market, all yeah. the yeah. markets.
2: Yeah, well, that's awesome. like Confucius says a picture is worth 10,000 words. And it's so right. I said, I'm in the wrong business. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. With a film. All the work that I did for 50 years could be done in one projection. you yeah. will be surprised.
1: Technology now is so different. You could do things
3: faster. But documentaries are very...
1: Because of research and development, like you said,
3: funding takes... A long time. We're in a good time you right know. now for documentaries. It's it's, yes. it's one of the few industries that the internet's actually helping, <laughs> yeah. you know, with all the new platforms now that are that are pushing documentary.
1: I interviewed Kevin Spacey, and he came up to me, and he said to me one time way back, and he said, he's very picky on who interviews him.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't know that. Okay. I said, why did you pick? <laughs> it was a green carpet. I'm into sustainable energy. Hmm. And oh, the energy film industry, energy. too, so... He's into no, I can understand artists.
2: that. You know, after yeah. you get to a certain plateau, you know, you want to make sure that the person's not putting something out there that you don't want them to say, you know. It's all up to you,
1: yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you have to have trust in people, yeah. you know, and believe in people.
2: Yeah, a lot of interviews have ulterior motives, too. Yeah. I'd be surprised, you
1: know. Well, I thank you for this beautiful interview. No, you thank guys are wonderful, and the film is great. Thank you. Sir. Thank you. And uh, wonderful. Thank-